Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. Otewa, O'Driscoll, Corgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh, Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast in association with Aldi. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined in studio, as always, and with a new sponsor, by Luke Mistrell. <laughs> Luke, hello. Oh, feeling very fancy, Will. Um, notions is what we have. <laughs> notions. No, uh, look, great to be... Um, great to be in this week. A lot of anticipation Six building. Six week. It's here yeah. once again. Yeah, look, it's it's funny. It seems like it's flown around. Um Absolutely, you know, buzzing for this one, actually, I've got to say. And what a way to start the, the competition. I kind of sometimes wish that maybe these big ones came a little bit later because I feel like it takes a little bit of time to bed in all the combinations from an attack perspective. So I think sometimes the start of the tournament can be a little bit edgy and it's more about defences and kind of not doing things, like kind of not, not getting things wrong That in, in that respect. You know, if you can get the defensive bits right, apply pressure, put points I on the board. I haven't played well in the first game in a while. Like you think back last year... You know, they played France, they needed that drop goal to get out of jail. Yeah. 2017, they lost to Scotland. 2016, they drew at Wales at home. That's three years in a row now they've kind of struggled early doors. I, but I think, I think oftentimes the competition actually, you only really see like the quality of the teams towards the kind of middle and the end of the competition because, as I said, the, especially from an attacking perspective, it takes longer to bed that stuff in, Will. Mm. You know, we just there's little nuances in terms of attack. Defence is more about, yeah, we do, we're do we doing this here. Get the communication right. The commitment's always going to be there in Six Nations games. You're going to put the body on the line. Um, so I always think that that's the easiest part to get right, Will, but it's the other stuff, the little nuances. That's why I think the quality gets better. So I wish we were kind of seeing this a little bit later in the competition, but yeah. still got to be a cracker. Well, I know I can be guilty of using the word Bumper to describe <laughs> most of our shows, but this is a particularly bumper Six Nations edition. We're going to have Neil Francis and Rory O'Connor in to discuss the Six Nations competition. We're going to be joined on the line by Fiona Steed as well to preview the women's competition. Ireland kicking off on Friday against England, the women's, and then playing the men on Saturday, rather. So a lot to discuss. And we know you'll be with us to the end, listeners, because before the show, me and Luke were treated to, you know, some of the eggheads in the end, though, gave us a spreadsheet of, you know, the listenership and how long they listened, hitting 90% most podcasts, 90 Five percent. Will, will, will. You just can't help yourself, can you? What? You had to boast. You had to yeah, boast yeah, about it. He was delighted. He was chuffed with the figures, folks. But thanks very much for the listens. Uh, it seems like we have a loyal enough following, which is great, Will. Um, but look, again, great lineup this evening. Um, the definition of a bunch of old hacks around the table. Bar yourself, Will. You're a little bit I'm younger, young, of course. But a lot of hacks around the table. I'm sure both uh, our guests in studio won't be afraid of an opinion they never have been so I don't Neil start Francis tonight once said that Warren Gatlin has the intellectual property of a tub of flora <laughs> <laughs> a tub of flora okay alright um, well look it's going to be a bit of fun uh, it's always nice to preview the competition always difficult to say who's going to win but sure look it's a lot of fun going through it uh, and Fiona Steed um, 
you know, really excited to get her opinions on uh, on on the ladies' game at the moment and and how things are progressing, um, and maybe a view on on maybe what's important about trying to bring the game forward mm. there because there's obviously been you know bits of movement here and there. You know, are they moving towards Evans and favouring that or uh, whatever it may be? So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing from her as well. And if it goes well, we can ask her to get John Hayes on the show once maybe. Get the bull haze out from the farm. Man, I tell you, no, I don't be think hard I, has pushed. Has he been seen? Has he been seen since he retired from professional rugby? <laughs> it was full. I actually re- very randomly met Frankie uh, Sheehan today, and I was like, you know, they had a bit of a reunion or whatever. I was like, Gee, like you know, I was asking who was at it. I said, did that? Did the bull haze make an appearance? That not at all. I haven't seen that man again since he retired. Well, maybe he, um, remember he didn't go to the Grand Slam celebrations. He was watching them on TV back on his farm while you guys were make. On he'd the already match. got out yeah. of the. Yeah, yeah. Look, just. Honestly, one of the best teammates, Will. He was so much fun around the setup. Uh, and you wouldn't think it. You kind of think he'd be kind of a bit subtle. You know, he just has a, had a, a because he's such a big, strong guy or whatever, and he was always kind of humble. He wouldn't be talking much. Hazy was the best fun around camp. He'd be slagging the life out of you. Loved the crack, but loved being home. Just a proper farmer. Loved the job. We have to get him on. We'd have to try. He'd be a great guest. John <laughs> yeah. Hayes, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, uh, we have an open invitation. I to can come assure on. you, he isn't one of our <laughs> podcast? Uh, one of our regular listeners. Will, but uh, the la- I mean, the last time I was so random. The the last time I saw Hazy was uh, we were, I was at the uh, what's the big uh, farming thing? The Plowing Championships. Mm. Uh, I was down. This is going to be terrible. The Plowing Championships are on. Randomly, I was down at it uh, and. Uh, I was walking up through, there was an Avonmore tent. Who was in there? Big John Hayes selling the book and selling a bit of Avonmore, right? And I swear to God, I hadn't seen him in 10 years. And they had this, the most random nickname for me. Uh, I'm only going to the story of that one, but it was Sweeners, as they used to call me. It was Quinny, Alan Quinlan came up with the great Alan Quinlan. And uh, Hayes, who hadn't seen in years, I, heard, I turn around and hear, Sweeners, how are you getting on, lad? I was like, what? Hazy is like of all the people I haven't seen you in ten years, and you remember Sweeners. <laughs> but uh, great chat. Well, I, 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 don't know how, I don't know how you couldn't have seen him in ten years when you won the Grand Slam with him less than ten years ago. So I presume. So, you know, oh, you're right. So whatever, <laughs> seven years. Don't ruin the story. Well, details, I details. I God Almighty, you're a stickler for the details. Jesus. Well, anyway, it was good to see him. John. We can hear those stories and much more if you join us later on in the Six Nation. But for now, it's time to turn our attentions to this year's tournament. Delighted to be joined in studio by Neil Francis and Rory O'Connor. Well, Rory, Six Nations are upon us once again. You were back yeah. in Carton House this week inside the bubble. Um, I want to start with uh, a column you wrote, I think it was last week, kind of talking about what the priority should be for Ireland. Should they go full-blooded to try to win the Six Nations? Is that the best way to prepare for the World Cup? Or should this be a time to experiment to maybe start Joey Carberry in two or three games to, to maybe try Robbie Henshaw at fullback? I know that's a hobby horse of yours that you you like to, to bring up from time to time. So what are you th- what are you thinking that Joe Schmidt is thinking? It's very hard to tell. I mean, he did say at the Six Nations launch last week that... Um, you could do serious damage to your World Cup chances by basically tanking at the Six Nations. That you know, by if you were to you know stall and lose the momentum that you had for 2018 during the next five six weeks, that you know you could put a, a dampener on things going towards the World Cup. But I think he will, he he will want to get more game time into certain players in the next uh, in the next couple of weeks because really this is the only high pressure window he has to test players and. If you look at certain positions, the backup isn't as strong as it should be. And the big problem, he says, anyway, in 2015, was that the backup wasn't as experienced as it should have been. So, Thanks for that. What, the, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was the, you, you were the one who was talking about it. But, uh, um, you know, the, the big thing is, can he get leg, uh, game time into Joey Carberry's legs at, you know, at, in, at this level? Can he get the experience into him while winning the games? 
Um, does he can he leave Johnny Sexton out of a big high profile international? It's a very hard thing to do. I'm sure Johnny Sexton certainly won't agree. Um, if he's told you're sitting this one out this weekend, but do, you know the question is whether this Six Nations is 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 he able to kind of sack it off and and get three wins out of five and go to the World Cup and succeed while getting the experience into the, into the legs. I'm not sure. I'd say he's going to go full full balls this weekend and then see where the, 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 his, his cars land next week and Neil is this Ireland team now deep enough that he can do both he can both mix and match while also winning a Six Nations is the team that good is the depth that strong that there won't be that much of a drop off if he does decide to say to start Joey Carberry at Murrayfield or maybe against the French I, I don't think he will start anybody that he doesn't have to um, I remember looking at the World Cup in 2007 and analysing it with Satanta and we were slagging England off, which is a very easy thing to do. And they were dreadful during the pool stages. And we were actually calling them one of the weaker teams. You know, it's terrible, you know, all these weaker teams, Uruguay and England <laughs> and all these sort of things. And they were awful. And then suddenly they get out of their group and suddenly they get to the final. And they could have won against South Africa in the final in France. And that gave rise to the thing, what, what happens? All this preparation, everybody talking about, you know, having a Six Nations competition now and, and there's another nine months to go before you know you go to the World Cup so you can peak two or three times between you know the World Cup or from the Six Nations to the World Cup so I don't think so I, and I think I think he wants to win it this is his last Six Nations he wants to win it and picking guys who are you know second choice or in the shadow squad not going to happen he'll do it he'll mix and match everybody does that um so, even for the Italy game, you know, Italy normally start off strong, uh, but by the time you get to the third match, I think, you know, they'll be, be sort of fairly beatable, and he might take one or two chances. Um, and then there's the injuries thing as well, which you'll, you'll have to contend with. And Luke, the interesting thing about this campaign is England is up first for the first time since the first Six Nations back in 2000. Usually like the Irish team are always building up to a big performance against England because traditionally that is the game that they want to win the most. So they do need to hit the ground running right away. Like, Does that change how they prepare for the Six Nations overall, having maybe their, their traditionally toughest game up first? I don't think so. Um, I think they've kind of moved away a bit from that, Will. I think they try and... like While you see the team change around possibly for an Italian match and you might see... As Neil said, um, you know, probably a bit of change over there, possibly taking a, a chance in terms of selection on that one. Um, I think they're very much, I hate to coin the phrase because the interviews seem to be the same thing over and over with any player you interview, but they seem to be very week-to-week focused and the preparation is very similar and it's just tailored to each different team that they come up against. That's how they've created the, the consistency as far as I can see uh, and from my own experience in the camps as well. Um, so I'm not sure that really changed that much. I know they'll be building this one up because it is. I mean, England is a. Re- I think it's probably more to do with the quality of the opposition, um, really, rather than it just being England these days. Um, but I think just to, to touch on the two guys' points, I think, uh, I think first of all, I think Fran, you're right. I think he won't take chances in the competition, um, and Rhodes is right as well. But I think. From my own perspective, I think we've got this wrong quite a few times. I think lots of the other top teams will, before World Cup, 
they'll be geared towards that. So I think now is the time to take a chance to to. And what would we, we, what chance what chance would you I like think, to see? Him? I think he needs to he needs to like he needs to. I suppose mess around or, or try a few different combinations out at nine and ten. Like they're the key parts. They keep the team and that momentum that he's talking about going. Because to touch but on your earlier what, question, uh, look to what point? I mean, trying combinations. I mean, talking about sort of cliches now. I mean that. No, we are. Uh, let me just finish yeah. for a second, right? So what I was going to say was, Will was just talking about there being a drop off. Like and you know, can you take a chance with a drop off? But I'd rather figure out about the drop off in the Six Nations than in the World Cup. Like, let's, let's work towards that. I think, so again, as you say, cliches, but I think there's a few positions where he really needs to figure out whether he's got another option there. And nine or ten are the two to me where they're the two best players on, on our team. But we need to figure out who the who the number twos are and if they're able to cut the mustard in, in, in the pressure, pressurized circumstances. Well, I mean, stepped in against the all And he was excellent, really but well. he's injured at the moment. So yeah. they need to figure out who, the, who like, if they have other options there. Um... And I think most of the best teams, you look at New Zealand, they seem to do that very well. They, they you know, especially coming up to, uh, in, in a World Cup year, I think they manage that far better than we have. And I think they recognise that off the back of 2007 when they made a mess of it, you know? Well, we're talking about options and areas of the team that maybe are a little up in the air already going into this weekend. You have the centre, the back row, and possibly even full back now that Rob Kearney's a little undercooked and didn't play great against the Scarlets. We'll, we'll start with the centre partnerships. It's probably going to be Gary Ringrose at 13 looks semi-nailed semi on and then maybe it's Bundyaki and Robbie Henshaw fighting for 12 is that how you see it? Yeah I think it's probably simplified by the news that Ben Teo's out so England can't put Teo and Tuolagi together which may have you know Joe if he was trying to preempt things might have gone with his two biggest centres I think Hench, oh, sorry, I think Ringrose is, is certainly um, nailed on at, at this stage I think Bundyaki is the man in possession and I don't see I don't see him being left out because he's never you know over the course of those 12 games last season he was I think he played. In t- he started ten of them, and he never once let Ireland down. You know, he was eight out of ten plus in in most of them. He scores some amount of tries from close range at a time. You know, Ireland used to bash, 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 and not really get anywhere in the twenty-two. When you put Bunyaki in, he he gets those scores. I think Robbie Henshaw is a better player personally, but I think if if you're rewarding form and fitness and 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 the fact that he's delivered in the past, I think. He, that's why I, I, will, I think he's going to play Aki with Henshaw potentially on the bench and I teed it up in your, the opening question but you've always been in favour of trying him at Robbie at full back you know is that something you think could realistically happen I, now I think, or have we come too close I don't think it happens against England I, th- I think there's, there's scope maybe for a bit of rotation in terms of the seven day turnarounds of, uh, and the six day turnaround at the end that he might play with things because that's what gonna, what's going to happen in the World Cup he's going to have to have big games loaded against each other back to back so maybe he plays I, like, I can see Robbie Henshaw coming on at full back at some stage in the next couple of weeks, I just don't see him probably starting there against England because it's too big a game. And then do you rotate for Scotland? There's like there's reasons not to all the time because Scotland's a World Cup pool warm up, so that you know you don't want to send over a, you know a kind of a scratch team to Murrayfield because that's a massive game in its own right. And if you lose that, suddenly you're handing an advantage to Scotland. But like it's it, he's got it's it, I don't remember an Ireland team with this many options and with the, so many good. There's going to be really good quality players missing out in 23. You know, in in a number of positions, which it, you know, it's we're not used to that. You know, they're not usually all fit. That's the problem. Well, I I think there's a financial prerogative here. Like this is a hundred million euro tournament, and Ireland picked up close to seven million dollar or seven million euro for for winning the, the competition last year. So, you know, <laughs> you don't send over experimental sides, and you send over an experimental side to Scotland, and you'll you'll lose. Mm. You know, 150 grand bonus for the Grand Slam winners. I don't know what it was like in your day. 
It's decent enough, will you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking for your disclosed that information? Yeah, well, whatever it? you feel comfortable I actually with. think it was quite close to being disclosed at the time, so you can go back and do the reading. I'm not going to help you out with that but one. Look, what are the selections? <clears throat> what are the selection subplots do you think is the most interesting out of the ones Rory touched on, or maybe the back row, or, or even a full? I think the full back one is interesting because I think. Um, look, Rob Carney's a bit undercooked, but I think he'd probably get the slot there. Joe has always picked him, um, kind of regardless of form. He's only played twice since November as well. So um, I think he'd probably pick him there. Um, but I think that's a position where he's still struggling for a second choice. I think Jordan Larmer looks a little bit like he's uh, probably more suited to the wing at this point in his career. Probably, he's, I know he's played a bit for Leinster there, but I think he's probably more suited to that position at this point. Um, I think Simon Zebo would, would obviously be you know, probably the first choice fullback if he was in the country, but he's not going to select him. Um, so I think he needs to figure that out. And it sounds like, you know, there's a there's a chance that, that Robbie Henshaw, you know, could be in the frame there. And I know from for, for a fact that that's Robbie's preferred position um, from, from talking to him. So I know that that's a fact. And I know he'd love an opportunity there. I think he's very well suited to, to the position. And I wonder, is there an opportunity to do that? I think he'd lose nothing with Robbie there. He's got all the attributes to be a great fullback. He's very brave. He's an outstanding tackler. Uh, he's brilliant in the air. Um, and he's obviously a very strong runner. I think he'd be a very good um, position there. And even long term, I mean, McRobbie is getting on in, in, in his career. Um, is it worth even you know exploring that avenue at this point? Because I don't think you lose anything there uh, with Robbie. And he's a natural footballer. He covers the ground very well as well. So that's an interesting subplot, I think, that's probably emerged with, uh, I suppose, Rob Carney being injured and probably looking a little bit undercooked against the Scarlets. This, this is probably the first time that he's had a chance to, to select from all three. Because if you look at it, everybody was looking forward, who'll he pick, who'll he pick? And somebody's got injured, Ringrose got injured, Henshaw's got injured. So this is the first time there three of them are fit. And now Joe, Joe actually has to make a, a decision. I, I think Ringrose is a superstar. Yeah. I think he's, he's so good that people don't realise how good he is. And everything, and particularly defensively, the amount of work he does defensively. So it's inside centre. I'd, I'd, go, I'd go with Rory as well. I'd go with, with Henshaw. Uh, but I think Joe will go with with Aki. It's terrible, actually. To he's not probably not fit. He's on an injury cycle as well. Um, but terrible to have him on the bench. You know, he, he needs to be. He needs to be in that. He's good enough to be in that starting fifteen. So you find a spot for him. And what do you make of the fullback debate that the lads were having there? Uh, like I, I think Rob is in this type of a match because it's. It's just going to be a horrible, one of those horrible England games. Like, I'm sure you played in Oldham Luke. They're, you know, it's really, just, you're going to be sore after the end of it. And you just need somebody there. When, when the ball goes back, you just need to know that there's somebody there who knows what they're doing. Okay. Rob is, he's uh, maybe now sort of full backs, depends on, on, on your age and whatever else there. When the ball is kicked to you long and you turn around and some full backs see tacklers coming and some full backs see space. And I think Larmer sees space and Rob goes for contact a fair bit of time when he actually returns the ball. If he doesn't put it up, and I don't think he's quick enough really to cause that much damage, whereas Larmer is I'm not sure whether Henshaw, because we haven't seen Henshaw play in No, in no, that's the thing. Like you'd be take, you will be taking a big risk there. Yeah, he won his first cap of fullback and hasn't played there for Ireland since. Um, no, and he hasn't played there in a long time, but I think he is a very natural footballer there and he's a big guy. So, I mean, I think the, the high ball thing is, is still going to be the issue around Larmer at this point in time. I think he can, like there's loads of guys. Lee Halfpenny is the obvious example of you can do it. I think Andrew Conway, by the way, is someone we haven't talked about who's playing fantastic rugby and has been brilliant there. 
Tinder Hallen, I think, maybe had a bit of a mixed season so far, but it looks like he's coming back into a bit of a form. He, he looked quite good for Connacht every time I've seen him so far. But So we do have options there, and people who are playing regularly there. But I'm, I suppose I'm in of the mind that I'm thinking, like, why would I be leaving Henshaw on the bench? Like, he's an outstanding footballer. I know he's coming back from injury. But, you know, given, I think he's a guy who, uh, he proved it for Leinster last year in the, in the closing stages of, of the European Cup. He can come back in very undercooked and still perform under pressure and he's got loads of experience so he's not going to be overawed by the occasion and, and, and suffer worse, you know, with a big game mm. uh, in terms of fitness or whatever, having not played. So, uh, look, it's an option worth exploring. I suppose it's one of those things where I'm saying, geez, I, I really don't want to leave that guy on the bench. Like, that's my view and it will, but I don't think, I, I think, you know, Neil's right. I think they will go with with, with Rob for the big one um, because he's done whatever 80, 85 times or so for Ireland. So It'd be interesting to keep an eye on if Henshaw does get a run of full back. Mm. But Rory, we'll move to the back row. It's kind of between Sean O'Brien and Josh van der Fleer, it looks like. Um, there's a school of thought that Joe might actually go with Sean O'Brien because he won't last a full 80. So if there was an injury early on, at least Josh could come in and play the majority of the game. Uh, but it will be a risk because just like Rob, like Sean O'Brien hasn't played much rugby at all this season and he is very undercooked similarly. Probably more of a risk than Rob Carney, really, because he's played very little rugby in the last calendar year. You know, it's just been a or in the last, you know he he's had since the Lions store really like yeah he's, he's, he's really injury up, interrupted. But I mean, he was he was slated to play against the All Blacks. If he comes through that Argentina game, he was going to start against the All Blacks. They have a massive amount of faith in him. He has done it so much. He he has the respect of the opposition no matter when he plays. He's centrally contracted, which always comes in handy when it comes to these uh, tight selection calls. It is a good. I actually completely agree with you. You know, it is. Like, yeah. he's, you know, he's one of the main men. He's one of the guys that they've invested in mostly. You know, he that that is, he, there's a reason they've given him that. But Josh van der Fleer is the guy who beat the All Blacks. He's in an unbelievable form for Leinster, but I'm not sure he's a horse for this course. I think he's maybe more of a horse for the for the for the Murrayfield game. Um, I think that O'Brien is built for playing against England. He, you know, the, it's the kind of game, the kind of game that Neil's taught him out. You want Sean O'Brien in those trenches. He, he's the defensive organizer. You can always hear him on the ref mic. He's the one chipping away at everyone else, making sure they're in position, screaming. He used to scream at Mike Ross relentlessly throughout games, like unbelievably. <laughs> we like, all bro, did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, I don't know. It's something that uh, Sean O'Brien's uh, high pitched voice that you can hear all the time. So I think there is a big. If he's shown well in training, having come through that what 45, 50 minutes for Leinster a couple weeks ago, even though he was good for about half an hour of it and then kind of ran out of steam a little bit, but if they if he's shown enough. And I think they can get an hour out of him against England. I think they'll play him and bring Van der Fleer off the bench. He is one of those guys, though, Rose, isn't he? Where like you talk about Conor Murray, you talk about Johnny Sexton, you probably talk about James Ryan in this conversation and Tyke Furlong as well. But he's one of our world class guys, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Like proven, you know, they hear the way the All Blacks talk about him. Um, you know, he's just a classy operator. But when you're saying it's pitch. been maybe the summer of 2017 since he last hit those yeah. straps, like is that not a huge risk? I think it. I know. See, that's where I think it's probably not as much of a risk. Just down to the experience, the same as the Robbie Henshaw. You've loads of experience. It doesn't catch you. Like if you have the fitness in the legs, the the one concern I would have. It's not necessarily that he hasn't the body of work behind him for the year. It's that it's only one game before, rather than the whole body of work. Do you know that kind of yeah. way? Um, it's just whether he. He needs one or two games. That's the that's the key thing with Shawnee. I'd suggest that he mightn't. He's one of those guys who like I've seen him come back in from long layoffs and perform very well in an international match. Um I just I don't know, I just think he's a different class, Shawnee, you know, and he looked like he was back moving a little bit better from the break against Wasp, which was kind of the concern the last time. I was thinking, oh, maybe, you know, he just looks a little bit sluggish, but geez, I thought he looked way more powerful. Now he got a little tired tired towards the end, but um, that's always the, the that was the little bit of concern with him. He looked really powerful against Waswell. I know he'd be going up against a twenty-one-year-old open side and Tom Curry as well. By the looks of things, this is where the game is won and lost. And I think this is where Ireland have a significant advantage. Um, you know, even looking at Vunapola, 
you know, I mean, how let's not use that word undercooked again, but you know, I watched him play for Saracens against Glasgow, and he was he was good, but a long way off international standard, and he's not a great trainer. So a huge loss for England. Underhill is gone, and you saw the problems he posed for yeah. for Leinster. <clears throat> uh, Rob Shaw probably gone at this stage. Maybe they they might pick laws that open side. Uh, they can mix around their their back row. They could even play a Toje there, but I don't think they will. So Curry and Curry and Wilson, and they're just not up to it. And I I laughed like I I I think Wilson got man of the match. I think in one of their. September or their uh, November games, and he's just just a journeyman. They're two journeymen now. They, I, I presume, they give their best and they'd be full of endeavour. But our back row are so smart at this stage, and they're so cohesive and they know what to do, and they know how to play the game. So that's the big selection call. And England name first. Um, I I just. I just don't think they're good enough in that area in all in all aspects on the ground, uh, defensively, everywhere and sort of the tackle count, and I think that's where Ireland will will win it. Uh, but which, which which game do we pick? I think Shawnee's just far smarter than 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 any other option that we have here, um, and I think that's I think Joe will go with them. Whether he hard to know. I mean, fifty minutes. 50 minutes. Um. You mentioned it there, Will. The the big point I think is is the time as well, because he hasn't had you know he hasn't had two or three matches leading into this thing. If he's gonna have him in the twenty three, Joe has always always picked the guy who's not gonna be able to last the full eighty. Like, for example, if Josh Van der Fleer comes off after five minutes, you're asking Shawnee then to play the seventy five. Like that's a huge ask. So that's probably something that's leaning in his favour in terms of starting. Um, and Joe's consistently done that throughout his whole coaching career. Has picked the guy who's coming back from injury to start the ga- to start the game. Um, based on that. Um, I suppose that fact about if you know if you had to cover seventy nine minutes of the game, hmm. we'll, we'll go on to England now, Rory. Like, where do you think they're at? They had a kind of a mixed autumn. Results wise, it was pretty good. But if anyone who watched the three games saw that they were very patchy, in particular against South Africa, even though they got the win. But you know, he has probably the strongest squad he's had to pick from since twenty sixteen. One or two injuries, but they all, overall they have a lot of guys healthy. But Eddie Jones himself, I don't know, he's kind of been in a bit of a grey area for the last maybe 18 months um, in terms of his performance as head coach after getting a lot of praise in the first uh, you know two years so wh- how do you rate them at the moment? It's hard, it, it is hard to tell but I mean you go back to that first half hour against New Zealand and they were excellent and they didn't have the composure to see it through to half time they got themselves into an unbelievable position and if they'd managed it to half time they probably would have won that game but they, they you know Farrell drops the, the, the restart short the New Zealand score a try and then and then suddenly you know then they concede a penalty. Conceded you know, ten points in the last points, two minutes, and like that's half. the kind of thing that Ireland just aren't doing at the moment. Long, yeah. And you wonder about their leadership, you wonder about their <coughs> their composure, but they have very very good players. I mean, I know, funny you obviously don't rate Curry, but they rate Curry very highly. He just I don't think has had the opportunities at this level. I think Underhill's well, a better player. What's he got though? I mean, apart from his work rate, what's he got? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, true, true. I mean, I'd like to see more of him at this level before I, but I, before I judge him. But mm. you know, that they have just this unbelievable depth of player that they you know they're 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 far deeper. I think in you know just because of their club system and the amount of teams that they have, that they can bring players of a certain standard. They might not be of the the gold standard that that the kind of top two or three Irish players are at the moment. But uh, I'm interested to see how he goes. I, I think I, I think he could emerge through the Six Nations uh, you know, as a better player than maybe he's given credit for. But 
their type five is very good. Their back row, I think, is yeah, is not as good as Ireland's. Um, Farrell is is excellent. Um, their centres can do an awful lot of damage, and their back three is dangerous. Like they've got the components. But Whether they have the one thing about England though, is Eddie Jones. He, you know, at this stage of his you know original cycle, he said he wanted to be you know hitting hitting his peak, but he doesn't really know his best team. Like the centres, like it could be too laggy and slade. But if Tao hadn't been injured, it could have been two big bruisers. The back row, it could be Mike Brown, it could be Ellie Daly. You know, it could be Chris. You know, Chris Ashton on one wing. It could be you know there's a myriad of parts of the team where he doesn't have a clue of his best team really, even though we're coming. in Hot in the Israel World Cup. Yeah, I mean, Eddie said a lot of things. I mean, that's part of his, his thing, you know. Jack Noel could be going in seven. Yeah, 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 but he was having fun that day. But no, like, you're right, but I think he has moved away from the Ford Farrell axis. I think he, I think it would have been, if Taylor had been fit, it would have been a big 12 with Henry Slade as kind of the link man outside. And I think Slade's the way to go if you're an, in, in, you know, if you're an England coach. He's oh, a very he's good He's a footballer, yeah, isn't he? I yeah. think, I'm a big fan of his. I think, I think you're right. You have to strike a balance. And Ireland have kind of have that with, with Ringrose and, Either Aki or or Henshaw on that slot. I think it's actually a nice strength for the team. You need to have some kind of foil there to give you a bit of directness at times, but you do need to have something where the whole like your whole game plan isn't relying completely on your nine and ten to be creating opportunities for everyone else. So you need someone at either thirteen or fullback who's very very creative. And Ireland obviously have that with Gary Ringrose at thirteen. So I think Slade's a great option for England. Mm. Do you know, it's, it's what they do without the ball. And I, I think the key, like you look what happened down in, in Thoman Park with Exeter, and you'd. You know, you'd, you'd Slade there and you had Noel there and they, they were not bad but when they didn't have the ball what were they doing and this is going to be one of those games where you know it's not what you do with the ball but without it and I, I just you know even to a laggy like he just hasn't played you know and I, I watched I watched the Leicester game the other day and he just you know it looks a little bit archaic you know sorry son your your time has passed do we need big huge massive you know, guys who can't pass. Don't think, I, mean, I don't know if I'm being unfair to him. I don't think he can pass. And, yeah. You know, and you look for, you know, you, you look for chinks in his, in, in his defensive armour and you just wonder, like, Joe will work him. And I don't know whether they'll pick him now or whether Jonathan Joseph will get in or Slade. And they have, that's, that, that's their key, you know, getting their back row composition right and getting their midfield right. And I don't think even Eddie knows, you know, and on a trip to Portugal won't... Uh, won't solve that issue for him either. And what's your read on Eddie Jones? Obviously, we touched on it there. When, when England were riding high with all those wins, he was getting so much praise and he was lapping it up personally. He was really enjoying it. Now, it's been a complete reversal of fortune in the last 18 months. Uh, Eddie's, uh, you know, he's a horrible little man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I, play, I stayed out in Sydney. I played against him, you know, and he was a hooker for Randwick. and um, He was a very good player. Um and every there's mixed views on on how good he is, but the standard thing is that he he comes in, he takes the place by the scruff of the neck for the first eighteen months, two years, and then he blows out. And I think he's reached that point now. So, and I think a lot of talking to a lot of the English media, and they were devastated that you know they did have a good November, like they beat a very poor Australia side. They they lost to New Zealand when they should have won, and they should have. Won and lost to, or, or beat you know beat South Africa, so um, he stayed in place. You know everybody was hoping it'd be a disaster and that and they'd replace him because I think they've had enough of him. So this is a very big match for him and he's got to get his calls right. And he's talking about all the pressure being on Ireland, you know, and, you know Six Nations Championship and we're expected to perform, but the pressure's on him because if he loses, he's gone. 
Interesting. And just to look at some of the other teams, uh, you know, I know Warren Gatlin was speaking at a, a function, I think, at one of the journalist awards that Johnny Saxon was at, and he said that if Wales beat France on Friday, they'll win the Six Nations. It was no, no, no <laughs> equivocating. He? he just came straight out and said it. Very yeah. bullish. But a lot of teams, people are... Warren Gatlin was bullish. Yeah. Who, who knew? Uh, but they've won nine in a row, kind of quietly gone about yeah, their business yeah. while Ireland have been getting all the plaudits, and they haven't beaten England, Ireland, or the All Blacks in that nine-game run, but still beaten South Africa twice, beat Australia. Um... They do appear that they, you know, we have a tricky fixture against them in the last day. They could be Ireland's biggest challengers, potentially. Yeah, it was interesting. I was talking to, to Tom Shankland about this, and he was kind of saying something similar. They're saying, well, like, you've got to come to, to, to the Millennium Stadium last game of, of the tournament, you know, you know, depending on how things go throughout the tournament. Like, I'd say they've got a nicer run than us, really, even though we have France and England at home, which is traditionally, you know, a, a better year for us in terms of competing. Um I think they've gone about their business very, very well. Um, do I think they're better a team than us? I don't at the moment. Um, Hasn't stopped them from turning Ireland over in the past. Though. No, like they seem to. Like they've they've quite a simple game plan, you know. And I think they don't really overcomplicate it for a good reason. Like I think. Um, like they focus religiously on the basics, and they're, I think that's kind of similar as to what Ireland do. As much as there's complex moves in terms of set piece, other than that, it's a fairly basic game plan. Will um, and I think Wales are quite suited to. I think combating that, they have good, you know, they have big size as well. They're good in the air, so Ireland can't really attack them there, which is usually a good in for Ireland. So they're a torn on the side, and as you said, they four wins out of four in November against good opposition, and they beat them well enough as well. Um, and Scotland was, was like there was three good teams they beat as well. So um, I think they've cause to be uh, confident going into the tournament and I think over the last couple of years they've done quite well over in Paris as well actually so um, I could see why he's confident but I think it's a, it's a stretch to say if they win, <laughs> they win the first game of the tournament that they're going to be they're going to win the thing Well Neil it's Warren Gatlin's 12 <laughs> Six Nations with Wales and, and his last one like he has been a great I guess character over the years he's brought a lot to the tournament I don't think I'm going to say anything about what's <laughs> at this stage. <laughs> I think it's probably two three or to 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 Waza. Look, it's it's too far away. I mean, it's a, a, again a terrible cliche to say. You know, like I mean, it's it's Paddy's weekend, so it's a it's a long way away. A lot can happen. Um, I think, I, I I think Ireland's most difficult match is on Saturday, no question. And Wales, you can think about that later on. I, I don't think Wales are anywhere near as good as England. And I think you'll see that when the two sides play. That's in, it's in Cardiff, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's in Cardiff. Yeah, it's in yeah. Cardiff, yeah. yeah. So I, I think it will we'll go there and win, providing they recover themselves from the loss they're about to get on Saturday. <laughs> so <laughs> it's interesting that you says that, Rory, because like Wales has have been probably Joe Schmidt's toughest opponent, you could argue, over his time in charge. You know, they drew with them at the Aviva in 2016. Two bad defeats in 15 and 17 where Ireland were really frustrated, particularly in attack. They didn't score a try, in either, well, they scored a penalty try uh, off a scrum or a maw maybe, but didn't actually score from open play in either of those games. So Warren Gatland has actually frustrated Joe Schmidt probably as well as, as most coaches. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And, and even last year, like that Jacob Stockdale... Uh, uh, intercept try came at a time where Wales were on top mm. and kind of had found the way around the Irish defensive system and Wales and Scotland probably called our, caused Ireland more, more problems defensively than any other teams last season so there is a risk there but as and Neil says it, you know it, it is a, a long way away but I think it's, it's beware Wales with momentum and it's, it's if Wales do go to Paris this weekend like two years ago they went to Paris it was that game remember it, it stretched into the start of Ireland England because it went on so all long the scrums, it was all the scrums the and French line and the French were the yeah exactly and that was and France ended up winning that game but like Wales were on the line count, you know should have won that game so they won't 
really fair going to Paris. The, you know, France won are six really out of seven against France in the Six Nations. That was the only loss in the last seven years. No, they've yeah. been very good over there, and they've beaten them over there a few times. But I mean, and you could argue that they really got they got fairly shafted last year. They brought on that. That looked very dodgy. That decision. Remember, there was big yeah, controversy yeah. about changing that prop because uh, Wales were really in the ascendancy, and they've won the two previous times, two or three. Uh, Rory's if yeah. that's correct. Yeah. In the, so the, the last three, and yeah. France have gone back to power and. Para and uh, Cami Lopez so like you know France are kind of gone back to the future a little bit all mm. seven of the backs who played in the opening game against Ireland this year are none of them are in the squad um, so there's no cohesion no continuity typical France and they lost and to Fiji as well yeah. I mean, do you know what I mean? like, uh, like you just don't know what to get with them do you? Well, no and so I think if Wales if Wales get that get going and they they go to Murrayfield which is probably the, the trickiest uh, the, their trickiest away trip other in Paris and then you know, England. You know, if they get get going over England, suddenly they they get that bit of momentum and they they're almost unstoppable with that. We saw that in two thousand and five when Ireland over in the final day with a with a triple crown and a championship on the line. So it's I think they're dangerous. I, I'm tipping them for the tournament to be honest because I think it just lines up. You lovely think they win the Six Nations? Even just the fact that Ireland have a six day turnaround between France and Wales okay. is just very dangerous. Interesting thoughts on that. Hard to argue with that, like when you when you see the lay of the land. But I still think that Ireland are a better team than them, um, and I think they should, like it, it'll be something that they'll want to get off the, you know, that they have struggled over in Cardiff and struggled against Wales. Is something I think it's a little book where that they'll they'll be. I think they'll be going up for that one if they're in a good position for that one, and they're going in and it's a Grand Slam decider. <laughs> I can't see Ireland losing that one. I well, really can't. Because at the moment, Joe Schmidt and Warren Gatlin's head-to-head record is three wins, three losses, and a draw. So this is winner takes all potentially. And it is because we're going as well. leaving with a losing <laughs> record against Warren Gatlin. And that actually matters to Joe. I guarantee you. Um, so I, I just think Ireland have the edge at the moment. Um, I think we're 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 actually uh, we're probably better suited now to to playing against them. We've become even better because I think physically there was times where they probably could get on top of us. I don't think that's the case at the moment, and I actually think there's quite a difference between our packs. Uh, we haven't really mentioned how good our front row is. You know, like I just think, like even you have Sean Sean Cronin will probably be coming off the bench. Uh, don't know how, but he is. Uh, but the props, like we're just so strong there. I think it's a big edge we have over lots of teams. It was actually something that I thought against New Zealand. I was like, geez, it looks like our guys are really on top in that area, which haven't hadn't been the case in the last in a, in a long time. I don't think against New Zealand. Um, but I think that's a point of difference for the team and I think throughout the team as well we, we probably match up with them a, be- a lot better physically than I can remember I think we've got quite a big team Stockdale's a big guy you know the guys in the centre is a big man even though Gary Ringrose is slight very very physical so um, I think we actually match up even better with them at the moment and I think we have a better coach slightly so um, I think I'd be confident we'd win that one Will if it was uh, nail, it was all on the line Nail on the head it's all down to the quality of coaching and you can I think you can your number one, two, three, four, five, six will be down to quality of the coaches. And even if you look at the Super Bowl, Belichick does, again. does it again. And it's just down to the quality. I mean, how he analyzes teams, how he gets his team to perform for him, that's, that's what it is. And rugby has become the same. And that's why Ireland, are, you know, you take this Ireland side and you give it to Conor O'Shea or you give it to Gregor Townsend. They're not going to perform as well as they do with Joe and that's this is his final year so sort of make hay but I, I, I just sort of think Joe figures them out figures them out at half time and that's what Belichick does as well the amount of the amount of points that New England Patriots score in the third quarter because Belichick has to find okay this is what they're doing this is what we're going to do and that's what Joe does as well so Ireland could I mean there's going to be a lot of dodgy moments in the England game they'll have periods of ascendancy they'll smash us They'll score tries against us and they'll 
you know, create an awful lot of uncertainty. And it's important that Ireland react to that and, and, and kind of stay strong and just believe in what Joe was sort of saying. And I think half time is a, is a, is a key, key moment for them as well. But just the quality of the coaching, I think, will get Ireland through. And that's why you can't discount, you know, I've, I've had my rousal over the past there, Gatland at this stage. You cannot, you know, his coaching record is there for all to be seen. And he's a very capable coach. And that's why, you know, okay, weeks away, that'll be difficult. But Gregor, you know, is doing very well. I, I, I must say I don't rate Brunel that well. But, and, but Eddie Jones, he's a dangerous coach and he, he could push the right triggers. So it's all down, quality of the coaching. And I think that's why Ireland have the ascendancy at the moment. And they'll figure it out against England, if, if not in the first half. Because I think, I think England start well. I think England will be... You know, they'll have a plan and they will unsettle us, no question. Physically and in the air, they will unsettle us. But I think Joe will get it right in the second half and we'll yeah, get I'm, it through. Just in terms of the coaching staff, because actually it's a really good point, but um, what about Mitchell and Rhodes? You might be the man perfectly positioned for this one. What kind of impact has John Mitchell had, you think, over there? What are the whisperings about him? Because obviously there's some really odd reports kind of come out about him in the past, you know, like being like unbelievably hard-nosed. Difficult to deal with. Well, when you ha when you've had ten cl clubs in a few countries in your CV, it says that you don't stay in one place very long. Did he's not that old. I played for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah Murray Kidd and John John Mitchell, and they bled us dry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the word about yeah. it, isn't it? Like, yeah, you know, like I mean, so we we got off the plane. We did we did a warm weather training camp in Atlanta, where it snowed for the first time in forty <laughs> years. <laughs> <laughs> And they got us off the plane and they killed us. <laughs> you know, they he killed us. And, and all the way through, you know, it just it was relentless, you know, and, and to the point of the law of diminishing returns. And a bit like, I mean, I've said it before, Eddie Jones yeah. flogs, he flogs his team. Our team will be, will be fresher. And I'd say now you have Eddie Jones and John Mitchell there flogging them today. Is that the same? Are they the same? Because they always talk, I remember them talking about trying to get these gains. Um... I was was it Alex Corbusiero was talking to us about possibly getting some of the gains that they were, he was trying to get an extra like five percent or ten percent out of the guys fitness wise. Is that a, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. And even last year, apparently they he, they flogged them the week of the Ireland game and yeah. the last game of the Six Nations because he wants to have them fitter yeah. for the Six Nations. But they get more injuries out of out of England camp than mm -hmm. any other nation. Like you know, there was a, that Premiership report recently. Like the, the the clubs are going mad because the players are always coming back injured. Even um, Jack Clifford picked up a concussion in training last Saw week. That. And How is that happening? I was just thinking, like, I mean, that has to be a freak accident. That ben, would only happen in a freak accident in Irish training. Yeah, absolutely. So they're obviously, you know, going hard at it. You know, for mm. what the, you know, that's being I'm being kind <laughs> to them in training, and yeah. you know, it, it affected their performance. Like they were so underpowered against Ireland in that yeah. Six Nations finale last year. Ireland were brilliant. But you know, you just wonder about the actual match preparation. I think the end goal is having them ready for the World Cup. But whether it's actually a, a realistic way of achieving it, I don't know. But we've talked about this before. Like in international rugby or top class sports, like talking about getting a twenty percent or a ten was it was a ten? We'll call it ten percent. Yeah, I think that might numbers, be conservative. Yeah. I think we might be talking about twenty percent here, right? But talking about getting top class, you know, sports people, ten percent professionals now, ten percent fitter. Like you're you're trying to get it one or two percent fitter. Like that's a massive gain. Like that's you. That's a huge. That'll make a huge difference. To me, that tells me that you're saying 
that's not realistic. And also in the windows of opportunity that you have, it's also not realistic. And you're running guys into the ground. And England look like they're tired. Do you know what I mean? That I think they looked flat last year, especially in Twickenham. I was expecting, you know, an absolute monster of a performance from them there. But Ireland absolutely squeezed the life out of them. I have never seen that happen to an England team. And I really like once we once I heard that I was thinking it really looks like they look tired that someone's trying to get too much out of them. I don't know. I mean, and Mitchell sounds like a guy who's quite similar. So I'm not sure that that's necessarily going to be. You know, he definitely talks the same in the media, anyway, but I don't know if that's necessarily going to be a good a good match, Will, you know? Well, just to finish up on the left wing and association with Ali, I might just go around uh, the table and let's get your predictions for the game this weekend, Rory, and also just your eventual winner. I know you tipped your hand earlier, but... Yeah, um, the weekend, I think it's hard to bet against this Ireland team right now. I think England are hugely dangerous. I think it'll be really tight. I think it'll be uh, low-scoring but I think Ireland would just, just about edge it. But I think we're one second row injury away from a, a, a very different picture. And Wales. Uh, Wales win their Six Nations overall. And no Grand Slam. Neil? Uh, yeah, I think Ireland will, will, will do it against England. Um, teams will be interesting. Uh, and I just think it'll be one of the breakdown. Uh, and in the air. You know, Luke's talking about you know one percenters or ten percenters there. If, if I was Eddie Jones, I'd be just teaching his, his back three how to catch box ball in <laughs> in traffic, you know, because that's going to be another area where Ireland, I think, will profit. Uh, if our halfbacks get, a, anyway, half-decent ball, I think we'll, we'll win. I think the bookies have us at minus nine, which is probably a little bit generous. But I think, I think Ireland will do it, but it'll be... There'll be a, f- a couple of unpleasant moments <laughs> of, of English ascendancy. So I think Ireland will do it. Um, I think... Um, hard to know. It's, it's just very difficult to win five matches. It really is. Just very difficult to win five matches. So they could slip up and it depends on their injury toll. I think they'll win the championship. Not sure about another Grand Slam. Okay. Luke, finish off. Um... I think Ireland on the weekend. Uh, I think it'll be tight for uh, a few other reasons as well. I think while Vunapola might be a little bit undercooked, uh, I still think he makes a huge difference to whatever team he's in. You know, you look at the difference he's made to Saracens. Uh, I think he'll have the same or similar impact on the English team uh, alongside Tuilagi. Um, and I think like if Ireland can contain those guys, I think they'll 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 come out on top. I think they have enough edges in all the different play other parts of the pitch to get them over the line. Um, and I think they'll be better prepared than England. So I'd say, uh, yeah, below the nine the nine points. I think that's uh, probably generous. Um, for the competition, I I actually like Ireland for the competition. Um, I think you know having France and England at home. Um, there are always years where you feel a little bit more confident, even though France are patchy at best, but they're difficult at home. Uh, Wales at the end is the banana skin. Like They've been very difficult for us to beat in the past. Um, but I just think we're, we've just got a slight edge in them at the moment. Um, and I, I'd, be, I'd be confident if it came down to that one for a Grand Slam or even for the Championship, I think we'd win that one. So I'm going Ireland for both, Will. Well, there's a lot of rugby to look forward to over the next few weeks. So, Neil, Rory, thanks so much for joining us. And now it's time to talk to Fiona Steed, ahead of the Ireland Women's Six Nations campaign, kicking off against England on Friday at Energia Park. A tough opening game against, you know, perennial powerhouse England um, and Ireland, I guess, coming off a, a tough enough November period. Um, so, after seeing the team today, you know, would you have hope that they can, they can put in a good showing? 
yeah, I think that's what they'll be aiming for is a good performance. I think we need to be realistic as to where they're at in their stage of development and transition. You know, last year was, you know, a, a new setup and new coaching. We're sort of transitioning now this year. And I suppose you need to see the performance against France and England and then you need to see can they get the results in the other three matches um, and I think it'll be a tough opener but it's one that they're excited about and um, there's enough experience there you know we're a little bit light perhaps on the bench but there's certainly a, a strong opening 15 Yeah and what kind of areas do you think um, Adam Griggs needs to focus on the most? Is there any particular part of Ireland's game that you think requires a bit of work you know going into the Six Nations? Yeah, well, look at I mean, they've I mean they had a couple of good matches in in November against um, you know against America or the USA and, and England, um, where they tried lots of different combinations. So you'd be looking for a little bit of continuity now. You know they've they've had a good set piece last year. You know Mike Ross did great work with them in in the scrum, and the line out is always is solid enough. But again, you have new combinations there now again this year. So I suppose it's it's going back to the basics of getting your your set piece right and then looking to build a bit of continuity and to see you know can we see a game plan you know last year we didn't really I suppose we couldn't really say what their style was so it'd be nice to see something evolving and that they can adapt um, on the pitch as well you know now we start Nicole Fowley from Galwegians in a 10 it's um, you know it's a, it's a huge opportunity for her and it's a, it's a huge challenge as well you know given that she'll most likely be up against Katie Daly McQueen, um, McLean for England who will be one of the you know the most experienced 10s in in world rugby so we'll be looking at how she can um, direct play and see can she you know will she have the ball I suppose to direct the play and try to play position I don't think they'll be going you know to very expansive early on and just to try and, and feel their way into it and Fiona just a quick one uh, in terms of so Wales obviously covered maybe areas you think they, they might look to improve but like where do you see like the, the strengths of this team lying and as you say like you know you maybe last year struggled to see uh, you know a game plan or, or kind of very specific kind of areas they were targeting to your mind what areas would you be targeting you know in, in, in terms of and in, in the context of what the strengths of the team are yeah, definitely. You know, their their back three and their midfield is looking it's looking very strong. Um, you know, Senenupu obviously huge experience there, and you know she'll bring a lot of strength and experience outside of um, outside of ten. Lauren Delaney, who's come in as um, she's Irish qualified from Waterloo, and. Um, She's come in at fullback, had a really, really strong autumn um, against USA and England. And Ema Constein is back in again now. She, this is sort of her second coming, you know, as a 15s player, played two seasons ago, you know, got injured, then went traveling and various bits like that. So she's, you know, I think we, we definitely have, um, if we can work the ball and, you know, create the spaces, we definitely have the finishing power um, out wide. And then you're looking at your, you know, look at the front row, Fiona Reedy is starting a tight head she's been there thereabouts now for a few seasons Leah Lines, who is multi-talented and starting at um, at hooker as opposed to she would have started at tight head a bit last year or come on at you know at tight head or at hooker um, Laura Feely is with them in the front row so it's really a big start for her given that Lindsay Pete is injured and you know Lindsay will be a big loss but I'd be hoping that there's enough experience there um, around Laura Feely to to, you know, to give her that strength going forward. So our set piece is usually good and that's where, where it has to be. Um, and I think if we can 
put a few phases together and then create the space for you know, for our outside backs to, to attack, that'll be that'll be somewhere where we can look. Um, but you're looking at England and um, you know Emily Scarrett and Jess Beach, Mo Hunt. They're all back from from sevens now, so they've switched back over to the 15s professional contracts, and they're they're huge. You know, they're huge players for England, so it it will be tough. And if you're on, just as you mentioned, the, the kind of the switch between sevens and fifteens. I know in Ireland, I guess the emphasis has been put on sevens now. Like, where, what, what's your kind of take on, on that whole thing? Like, it's kind of left fifteens in particular, kind of at a disadvantage and kind of in the shadows a bit. Considering a few years ago, there was so much promise and ever there was such a feel good factor around it. Yeah, that's it. And I think we just don't have a big enough population pool in terms of playing numbers to be able to feel strong enough. 15s and 7 sides. Um, now, other teams are struggling, like France are struggling as well, because it's the Sydney 7s is on at the same time. Okay, so that's hitting off this weekend as well. So, you know, even like World Player of the Year, Jessie Tremilia, she's gone, you know, with France to the, um, to Sydney, as opposed to, um, you know, to playing against, against in Scotland. Um, but, yeah, we do struggle because we haven't got that depth now. You know, we saw Bebeen Parsons, you know, um, getting capped in the autumn, really you know, good news story, but like she's gone with the with the sevens now. Eve Higgins, who's another up and coming star, yet to be capped um, from a 15s point of view, she's with the sevens. And it's just if we had if we had more numbers and more, I suppose, quality, we might be able to do both um, really well. And the focus does seem to be on the sevens, and I don't think there's any um, anybody saying that it's not on the sevens but you know the 15s players that you know there is more support there now and you know they have had a good January they've been together at the weekends you know they're, they're building they had a good run out um, last weekends against Wales you know they beat them 29-19 but again it's lots of combinations but we really need to use this six nations now to bed in where we're going and what we're trying to do with the 15s and, and with the squad you know he's a few injuries there so I suppose this is the chance to to build a squad and just to put it into context, it was just announced there this week that this Six Nations won't be used as a qualifier for the next Women's World Cup, you know, so at least they don't have that hanging over their head. But likewise, you know, um, World Rugby hasn't come out and said what what's going to be the qualifying mechanism for 2021 for them, you know, so it was thought perhaps pre-Christmas that this Six Nations would be used as a, as a qualifying tournament in effect but it's not now and Fiona just to to that point um you know if this isn't going to be you know as you say uh it doesn't count for 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 qualifying for the world cup what would you do in that case do you think you try and build momentum do you try and bet in a few combinations or do you try a few different things and you say well look this isn't this is an opportunity for us to bet in a few more people get them used to the higher level uh like what what would you do i mean you've all the experience you're you're in touch with uh with the women's game now and and, and i presume have a view yeah. about how you get the best out of the group well i think um you know, this is the time to try and build a bit of solidity and to try and, you know, build momentum going forward. So, yes, you have your injuries to Lindsay Peach, Nicole Cronin. You know, Lindsay would obviously, I'd say, be starting. Nicole has been there or thereabouts with, with Ailsa Hughes. So you'd be looking at trying to build momentum and trying to build your squad now because you had last year, which was sort of, OK, we'll try this and we'll move this. And there's been 
a fair bit of change, you know, across the team in the last, you know, in the last year and over the, the autumn. A few positions are becoming, you know, um, more solid. As I said, Lauren Delaney coming in um, seems to be nailing down that 15 shirt, which is, is great. And um, Ian McConstein back in. Um, and then around the second row, you know, we really need to get another second row or two um, because we, you know, we have um, Ethan McDermott and Nicola Friday, but we don't have a, we don't have a second row and out and out second row on the bench so you'd need to be getting um, somebody else in there Kirkuni's injured um, so you need to look at a little bit more strength in a couple of areas but other than that you know we need to start playing well first and foremost and then we need to start building the results because you know winning is a habit in the same way that losing is mm-hmm. so that's where I'd be at definitely looking at um, building momentum building momentum mm-hmm. yeah and just to finish up, Fiona, uh, get, maybe get a prediction for this Friday, and also just how you how you think Ireland might go in the Six Nations overall. Yeah, so um, I think this Friday they'll be hard pushed, you know, to to beat England. That's been honest. It's not without you know possibility, but I think they'll be hard pushed to beat them. Overall, I would be really hopeful of a top three finish. Um, of you know winning their three away matches, which you know is um, different to what you'd normally say. Um, I do feel that they might struggle a bit against France and England, and that's just being being realistic about it. Great stuff, Fiona. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, thanks, lads. That's all you have time for in the left wing in association with Aldi. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with a podcast reviewing Ireland versus England. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye.